The opinions expressed on the Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal professional legal advice. Hi, I'm Kristen Holstrom. And I'm Sam McBride, and we are the Custody Queens. We have a new show that we couldn't be more excited about. If you're going through a custody battle, fighting for your parental rights, or going through a horrible divorce, nothing is off limits on our new show. Thought it was love, had kids in between, you can count on us Happy Saturday, everyone. I'm here with Kristen Holstrom. We have a special guest, Allison Kennedy. Thank you for joining us. Kristen and I are back from summer. School's in session. How are you doing, Kristen? I'm good. Course back in session. You know, it's never stopped being in session, but I have more and more uh, court appearances in person. So it's like, you know, the kids are back in school and it's almost like we're back in school. Getting back into the swing of things. So I think before we get into today's episode, which is about professional supervised visitation monitors in general, uh, that's a mouthful. I wanted to do a week in review where we talk about our high and our low. So I'm going to throw it over to Kristen and let you start off. Okay. I think I have uh, far more lows than I do have highs. Um, and, you know, one of the lows I've had over the last, uh, you know, couple weeks is I had a dear friend uh, get diagnosed with breast cancer. And that not only shocked her, of course, but I think it took a, a huge hit to our Custody Queen's family. And uh, while things are looking up and, and she's definitely being optimistic about it, it definitely took a, a huge hit to all of us. And so she knows who she is. She's probably listening. And I just want her to know how much we love her. And there is nothing that she can't handle. But to lighten it up a little bit, I do have kind of a really funny low. And, you know, uh, so recently my kids finished summer camp before they start summer school. And my four-year-old, who has been potty trained for about a year and a half or so, uh, he had an accident during his nap. And so, you know, that happens to the best of us. (laughs) Yeah. You know, I'm glad to say it's been a long time for me, but, you know, it does. But when he, you know, you always have to bring a change of clothes to leave at the school. Well, the the school was so kind enough to put the uh, soiled clothes into a baggie for me. And they had put, you know, the undies in a separate baggie. So when I got the grocery bag of the soiled clothes, I'm thinking, A, why didn't they just kind of toss this? But, you know, I was very appreciative to have it back. So I just took what I thought was just in the grocery bag and threw it straight in my wash. Well, fast forward through the end of the cycle, I open the washer door and just the smell just starts coming out of my wash that <laughs> literally took my breath away. There is no other way to explain it. And it turns out that... Uh, one piece of the clothing was in a baggie that was wrapped up in the clothes. So I actually put the Ziploc baggie, you know, that had something in it into the wash. And I think because it was in the baggie and the baggie came open during the cycle. The perfect explosion. It was the perfect storm. So needless to say, I had to uh, put some bleach in, bleach in my washer machine and read it several times before I could breathe in the laundry room. <laughs> so, Sam, how how was your what was what was one of your lows? Uh, you, thank you, Kristen. You're correct. I have several lows. Um, I think uh, recently I've just been having really really awful car luck. 
So, uh, for example, this morning, my car keys were in my roommate's car, so I didn't have an ability to access my vehicle. My spare key also, uh, its battery's out, so that didn't work. Um, and yeah, that's just, that's kind of the tail end of my car trouble. I've been through quite a few flats this past uh, month or so. So I don't know if the 91 is winning the battle against me. I think it is, but yeah. What I'd like to add to to Sam, because I think she's kind of, you know, telling this very mildly. Sam has a lot of car problems. So, I mean, Sam, how many times do you think that you've locked your keys in the car? This year? Yes. Um, Six. And and I (laughs) maybe more. And that's just my car. Like, I just I don't have a good relationship with keys in general. I locked my, I've yes, I locked my car keys in my trunk um, a couple months ago. Yeah, that was actually on the morning of we were shooting a uh, spread for Modern Luxury Magazine. And, you know, I try to make sure that everything is pretty coordinated for Sam and I down to a T. And I think that was the morning that you locked your suit jacket and your keys in the trunk, right? Yep, yep. yep. Uh, shout out to Ashley for always saving me. Yeah, lucky for us, we have a great custom queen support team <laughs> that does some really crazy things that we ask. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I lock myself out of my house all the time, too. Yeah, you know, and I thought it was impossible for me to lock myself out of the car. But actually, just a few days ago, when I was at work, I left my, I locked my keys and my phone and my purse in the car while it was running. So, you know, I couldn't even uh, go to my app to unlock the car because I can do that. So I actually had to go once again to Ashley and have her down my download my car app to unlock it. So I think a lot of that just stems from Sam and I kind of on overload, uh, just, you know, getting back into court. The process is getting back to normal and just telling both of us to slow the you know what down. Yeah, my... My absolute defense, and I don't know how true it is, but my defense is always that I'm so focused on work that I can't pay attention to anything else. So that's what I stick with. (laughs) I don't know if it's true anymore, but. All right, Allison, do you have a low that you want to share with our listeners? I definitely have one. I'm thinking about it right now. I actually have um, six kids and the three younger ones are one, two, and three almost. And the middle one, two-year-old, he wakes up crying very upset and he threw up and he threw up by the front door and I started to have a little panic attack because I was just about to get on a zoom call with a client and I screaming at the other kids clean up the throw up and so I went outside to have some peace and quiet on my zoom call and then I could hear them yelling in the house so I opened the door to tell them to stop yelling because I'm on a zoom call and I went flying through the throw up <laughs> oh, down no. the stairs and screaming that's not the end of it so I'm screaming bloody murder that my ankle hurts and I'm get ice get ice get ice and I'm having like a nervous breakdown and I scream so loud I think I was just so like up to here so the scream was like <sighs> and then I finally calm down I go outside I put my leg on the ice I'm outside and my daughter's helping me and I'm on the zoom call I'm like hey you know talking to my client all of a sudden I hear excuse me ma'am police well, the neighbors heard me, and I was screaming so loud they thought something was wrong, like I was getting beaten or something. So, oh my goodness, that was mine. Hey, but you know what? Just to to make that a high, the fact that your neighbors mm-hmm. were in tune enough to mm-hmm. call the police—that's actually kind of cool. Because I I feel like I scream a lot, and I've <laughs> never had anyone knock on my door. I'm like, I don't know if anyone would really help. 
Yeah, no, I I think that's a great neighbor you have. Yeah, you might they want tell to send you to the, yell like fire or something, right? To actually get people to, yeah, to pay attention. You might want to send a gift basket to that neighbor. Well, it was a neighbor we never saw before because my daughter and I were looking outside. We're like, who's in our yard? And it was just some random neighbor walking by. And I also see a high in that too. The fact that you can multitask and continue your Zoom <laughs> yeah. while sliding and throw up. Because, mm. you know, I think every mom has some you know story it might not be to that extent but i know i definitely have a few but the fact that you were able to continue the zoom is impressive definitely. and i blame everything on zoom right it, it, it's just oh yeah zoom it's like it's so stressful it really so, is so i'm happy to be back in person all right let's put it on a lighter note sam take it away with the high um i would say i just got back from a family reunion so i haven't seen my dad comes from a family of eight i have 25 first cousins and they're spread out we're all giants, in case anyone is wondering. Uh, but I went up north to visit them, and it was a bunch of fun. We hung out at the lake. We all saw each other, and it was good. Yeah, How about you? It was fun seeing all the pictures, because Sam's family is all very, very tall. And my family's very, very short. So I was just kind of thinking a reunion between our two families would actually be You know what's hysterical. actually funny, though, is uh, I didn't lose the keys this time. I, I was my, just going to bring that up. My sister lost the rental car keys in the bottom of a lake. I, you know, I was going to bring that up, but I was kind of, you know, going to throw you a solid and leave it out. Yep, we had to tow the car 60 miles. <laughs> All right. Well, well, my high is, is um, it's, you know, it's just a simple thing, but... My daughter does gymnastics, as everyone that is list that listens knows. She is an athlete through and through. All my kids are athletes, uh, but my daughter does competitive gymnastics, and she also plays club soccer, following Sam and I's footsteps. But she has been working, you know, tirelessly at gymnastics. She does nine hours of gymnastics a week on top of another three to four hours of soccer. And then we usually squeeze in one or two privates. And this is all on top of, you know, uh, her school schedule. So she's been working on back handsprings for about four months now. And uh, she doesn't have a lot of fear, but, you know, we were doing them at home one day and I was spotting her and, you know, um, a little issue and, and I think it freaked her out. So we've been doing these privates and I just happened to catch her, you know, last Thursday, I was able to get there 20 minutes before it was over. And I watched her do like three in a row and all by herself, unassisted. And it was a very proud mom moment. And not so much that she did the skill, but that I was able to have a conversation with her about your body is capable of anything if you put your mind to it. And that's really what I just want to reach out to all the listeners is that, you know, we we have we can push ourselves, but you have to be physically and emotionally on the same page. But when you are, our bodies are capable of so much. Nothing is too far out of reach. So, Allison, why don't you share a, a high with us? On that note, yes, I totally agree with you. Our, actually, our bodies and our minds can do anything that we put our minds to. So I am in the process of buying my first home after six months of getting nine loan officers. Nine. And no, 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 because of whatever reason they're on vacation, uh, whatever the reason was, it was a disaster. But as of this week, we just finalized um, contingency forms and we're supposed to buy our first home. Yay! That is in, that is an incredible high. Good stuff. That yes. is very good stuff. And the market is insane right now. Insane. So the fact that you were able to get one, I and for your well, six we live, kids. We live in the house that we're buying. Oh, that is incredible. So that was a huge Yay, that's benefit. awesome. That's yeah. awesome. 
So maybe your marriage didn't go as planned, or maybe you didn't pick the best partner to have a child with. Or could it just be baby mama drama? Well, no matter what the situation is, we can help. We are the Custody Queens, and you can call us at 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. All right, Allison, why don't you tell us a little bit about yourself? Well, I um, started in this industry about eight years ago through a personal experience. My ex um, and I went to court. I have three kids and I did not have an attorney because I couldn't afford one. And I ended up fighting in court for about three years and I did win full physical and legal custody. Um, in that experience, I realized this is something that I wanted to do to help other people. So I took the course and hit the ground running and just became a monitor and it was a lot of ups and downs in the beginning learning the field but I feel from my personal experience I could help others and slowly but surely along the way I started to grow and I now have a team of monitors and an agency and I also am a foster parent so wow. I kind of it goes hand in hand because we have to do visits with fosters too and I'm in the process of adopting my third baby that congrats. I got from newborn. Well, congrats on all of that, uh, a newborn. That, that That is tough with a full-time job. I, I can attest to that. <laughs> but there's so many things that just, I love what you say because being a parent and a foster parent and a professional supervised monitor, they all kind of circle back to each other. And I'm a firm believer that real life experiences help us as attorneys, help us as professional supervisors, right? Because I think that when we go through these things ourselves, that it makes us better at what we do. Absolutely. And so I love that you can actually bring your real life experience to, to doing what you do. And for those that don't necessarily know when a professional supervised visit, professional supervised visit, professional supervised visitation monitor might be necessary. It's generally when there is a safety concern to the child. So that can include alcohol abuse. It can it can include domestic violence. It can include uh, various other reasons, you know, that it would be deemed necessary to have a supervisor. Right. So can you describe for us, Allison, a little bit about what it means to be a supervised visitation monitor, just in general for our listeners or anyone that doesn't have experience with it? Sure. So... Basically, um, yes, we do make sure the safety and the welfare of the child is um, most important throughout the entire visit. So we are earshot distance from the the parent that's um, being monitored. Um, we just make sure that you know nothing's being said inappropriately, nothing's being done inappropriately, and if 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 it is, then we do terminate the visit. Mm -hmm. What about record keeping? Um, we do detailed reports of the entire visit from the minute we step on to the site to the end of the visit. And we also do detailed reports or declarations. And that's really important for Kristen and I's practice in general because if, in the context of family law, if there is professional supervised visitation put in place, what happens is we will get a report from a supervised visitation monitor and that helps us gauge where we're at, whether visitation needs to be back to unsupervised or whether we need further kind of monitoring. And so it's really important for us. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And you said a buzz, a couple buzzwords when you were speaking and it was, you know, I always say eyesight, earshot, right? Um, I, I've worked with many, many, many supervisors over the last decade plus, 
And it still is amazing to me how many don't understand that. You know, it's like, and it's usually the whoever is the supervised parent, they're usually the ones ratting the supervisor out. You know, they'll, they'll make a statement like, well, I was on the swings with my daughter and the supervisor was on the other side of the park, so I don't know why I need him anyway. And, and I'm like, ding, ding, ding. Clearly, that supervisor was not, it might have been an eyesight, but clearly was not in earshot. Mm-hmm. And when you use the word speaking about something inappropriate, that can mean so many things. It can mean that they're not having an age-appropriate conversation. They could be talking to the child about the case, which is, it's often the case. Um, you know, for example... Whoever is the supervised person, say it's mom, is sitting there telling, you know, little six-year-old Johnny, well, your your dad's the reason that we have to have this, su- this supervisor here with us. Clearly, that is inappropriate. It is not conducive to the visit. The purpose of the visit is for quality time, you know, between that parent and the child. But it happens all of the time. So can you give us a couple examples where you've had to terminate visits based on inappropriate comments? Um, Wow. Yeah. Um, A lot of times the reason we have to terminate or redirect a visit is because they will be talking about the other parent. Like if it wasn't for your parent, your mom, we wouldn't be here. Don't you want to just stop these visits and just go out alone or... Um, why would your mom do this to me? You know, I didn't do anything wrong. So these types of things we have to redirect. And for me, I have monitors um, under me so I'm able to watch over the cases. So I make sure that I train them personally. And when they go out there, I'm checking in with them throughout the entire visit. So I do know what's going on. Yeah, and as an attorney, you know, it's it, it, it's always trying to find the right supervisor and we don't always have control over that because if if I don't represent the person that is being supervised then usually it's a process of one you know attorney providing three names or one parent providing three names and then the other side picking one of those three and you know Sam and I we, we have definitely a few that we stay away from um, I can tell you the biggest reason that I try not to use specific supervisors is because they be, become friends with the person that is being supervised supervised they are empathetic to them they are convinced that they shouldn't be supervised and not only does it affect the supervised visitation but for me it crosses a line and now they write a report that i don't think is bi- that i think is biased mm-hmm. sam yeah i i couldn't agree with you more finding a qualified monitor is incredibly important both if you are representing the party that is being supervised or if the other side needs supervision. Because if you have a quality monitor, they are diligent at record keeping and they are close enough to hear and see everything. And so a lot of times people will think that, hey, maybe I I want a supervisor that doesn't care as much if if they're the party being supervised, but I don't think it's true. You want the information so that you can prove to the court that you aren't a safety concern. So either way, having a, a qualified monitor and someone who really is antiquated with the rules of court and has an understanding of family law in general is, is good. But Kristen and I do often see supervisors exceed the scope. Uh, we, we see that more than we'd like. Um, do you come across, like, do you teach that in your training on how to remain unbiased and to stick to what the role of the supervisor is? Absolutely. So we are a neutral third party. Um, as soon as I, we're not allowed to accept gifts. We're not allowed to t- 
talk with the parent unless we're meeting them at the drop-off and pickup. Um, we don't give them information about the visit after they are picked up or dropped off. It's basically everything was good. If you like to order the report, it's all in the report. Um, I think that's super important because once you cross that line, there really is no way to go back. So right. I agree. And I have, you know, same with Sam, we've had to fire many supervisors. And that applies to being on both sides of, you know, the issue there, being the, the attorney that represents the supervised party and being the attorney that represents the other parent, you know regardless of what side you're on as an attorney, I want someone that's going to stay neutral, do the job, you know, comply with their role and their scope of their job. But, I, you know, I have to tell this this one uh, story just briefly without going too much into detail. I think detail. I know it. And, yeah, this was fairly early into my career, you know, the first couple years. And um, I, I've had this case for many, 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 many years. Uh, and the other side has had supervised visits for, I, I don't know, going on five, six years now. And he had had the audacity, the opposing party, to send me a picture with the supervisor literally laying his head on a park bench, you know, covering, he looked like he was sleeping, covering his face, covering his head. His sunglasses were on the back of his head and sending me an email basically saying, this is what your client's paying for. And I, I mean, I my first thing to do was immediately fire that supervisor. Um, and, but we have come across a lot of supervisors that are just not good. So the fact that you not only do the supervising yourself, but you also train and teach these people, these supervisors, how to remain neutral. That is, that is the best thing that we can ask for along with a detailed report. Cause if you're the supervised parent, you want that detailed report. Cause sometimes supervised visitation monitors are appointed maybe just because there's been a lapse of time where you haven't seen that parent and and it, it might be a little bit more than reunification therapy or it might be that someone just got out of jail or prison and and even though they're rehabilitated there's a passage of time that the court wants to make sure the child or children are safe but it, you, you need that report people Right. And, and not all safety concerns are created equal. And, and like Kristen said, there may be a myriad of reasons why supervised visitation may be ordered. It may not be that you've done anything wrong, but maybe the other side's lying and, and mm. the court is, is not convinced one way or another and they need more information. So, you know, on the, on the one hand, you can look at supervised visitation from the standpoint of it's, it's just to protect the children. And, and that's a big point, but it's also to help provide the court with information so that it can make more long-term custodial orders because I've seen many cases where I don't necessarily think that supervised visitation was needed when it was initially ordered, but the information either in the form of a report or um, if at the time of trial the supervisor is testifying uh, can be very beneficial for a long-term custody order. We know divorce can be difficult and scary when it comes to the custody of your children. I'm Kristen Holstrup. And I'm Sam McBride. And we are the Custody Queens. We are family law attorneys here in Southern California and are committed to compassionate and aggressive representation. With custom case strategies, we can achieve the best outcome for your case. So call us and tell us how the Custody Queens can help you. Call us at 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. I've had many cases, especially over the last year or so, um, 
where I didn't agree with the judge's order on on supervised visitation being needed. However, after, you know, calming myself down, calming my client down, using it as a tool to spoon feed information to the judge, because if those reports are favorable to my client and the judges are always going to err on the side of caution. And that is what I tell my clients constantly. They're going to if there is any alleged safety concern with any evidence to support it, they're going to err on the side of caution until they can get more information. I mean, could you imagine that judge has some information, makes a bad call, and then something were to happen to that child? So they're, they're, you know, their go-to, their mindset is to err on the side of caution. Let's gather the information from both sides, both attorneys, text messages, and the reports from the supervisor. And more often than not, those reports to the judge help my client who may be the supervised party. I couldn't agree with you more. I mean, in in family law, you can't, you have to expect the unexpected and the storm's going to hit and it it may be towards your client. And and what you need to do at that time is figure out and change your case plan. And that's what Kristen and I always talk about is, you know, what we think is going to happen doesn't necessarily happen. And and where are you when you get a new punch? You know, you got to keep moving. Yeah, belt and suspenders, always. I know you listeners have probably heard me say that a hundred times, but family law is a beast and you have to always expect the unexpected. So Allison, who pays for the, who who generally pays for the visitation monitor? So it usually is in the court order. Um, It could be actually split equally, or usually it's the non-custodial parent. Okay, and what if it's not in the court order? Does that create conflict for you at all? Yes, all the time. (laughs) Especially when it says visitors are allowed or not allowed. It's not usually in the court order, and then they go at it. And then I always kind of lead them back to the attorneys. (laughs) And that is a reason for everybody listening to hire good, detailed Mm -hmm. attorneys. I can't, I, I can't tell you how many times I have looked at orders and I, I say this over and over again week after week is that when I get these orders that says super visitation shall occur when, where, how many times a week at a facility, not at a facility, who's paying, how does the drop off occur if domestic violence is involved, how do we make sure that that the restraining order isn't violated? Is it at a park? What happens if it rains? You know, there are so many questions and details that Sam and I think through before we even uh, agree to a supervisor. So if you're out there and you are listening to this and you are a supervised party or you are looking to get a supervisor, A, Make sure you call Allison. We'll we'll provide all of her contact info at the end of this show. And make sure you call the Custody Queens at... 1-800-419-7772. That's 1-800-419-7772. Another question I have for you, Allison, is um, if the order is somewhat vague and it says, you know, 12 hours a week, how do you try to set that up to create the least amount of conflict? Because I can see one parent going, well, you know, he can have one day and that's all I got time for. My work schedule is really crazy. And then I can see the other parent going, well, I have 12 hours. So I'd like to do two hours every single day of the week. Yes, we do this all the time. And we try not to be a complete mediator between both parents. But at the end of the day, if they are not allowed to talk to each other, even on Talking Parent, which is the, the platform for them to speak about the children's welfare only. Um, I try to go back and forth. I do a lot of this stuff at intake. So I'll explain the rules, we'll go over the scheduling, and I will have to kind of go back and forth between the parents. And um, 
hopefully we come up to some sort of agreement, but a lot of our time is taken up by helping them. And are they paying for those, like the hours or the time that you spend? Because it's just per hour, right? Right, so once the case is accepted, um, the intake is paid for, but after that, it's basically my time. And I try to do my best to make it easy for everyone, but at the end of the day, we do have some clients who just don't agree. Yeah, and again, that's another reason why you should have really, really good detailed orders, and the custody queens are incredible at that. But, you know, if you're the, if you're the restrained party, it can take three weeks just to set up a visit if those orders aren't detailed. And that's three weeks that you missed of having three visits a week or two visits a week and progressing your relationship with your child. So in a nutshell, we have Allison, who is an awesome uh, professionally supervised monitor. She services all counties, everywhere from LA to San Diego. And for everyone that's listening, if you follow us on social media, you know that we have two new offices in San Diego. That's right. And we now have five attorneys in San Diego. And we actually did a recent photo shoot in Modern Luxury Magazine with Tracy Hoppus, who is one of our new attorneys in San Diego. We have several certified family law specialists down there as well. So the Custody Queens team is growing. And now we have, and Allison is on our internal approved list, by the way, for anyone listening. It is very hard to find good supervised monitors. It just really is. It sounds like something so simple, but I have fired more than I'd like to admit. Agreed. I couldn't agree with you more, Kristen. And Allison, thank you so much for being on our show with us. Thank you for having me. And Allison, if any of our listeners or watchers, remember we are on custodyqueensonair.com and all streaming platforms. So if you are watching this and you want to reach out to Allison, how do they find you? Um, my website is caringhandsupervisedvisits.com and my number is 310-722-3928. And don't worry, we will post that on our social media just in case you missed it. So Sam, wrap us up. I think that wraps up the show. Make sure you tune in every Saturday at 8.30 a.m. with Kristen and I on Go Country 105. And remember, let love rule. Thought it was love, had kids in between, you can count on us with The opinions expressed on the Custody Queen Show are for informational purposes only and are not a substitute for personal, professional legal advice. The persons discussed are fictional and not based on actual clients.